Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jonas. Hello. How are you? Uh, good. How are you? I'm doing very well, man. Very, very well. Excited to have you on the show. Thanks cool. for taking the time to do it. No worries at all. I'm just going to send this last email and then I'm all yours. Sorry, man. Do your thing. <laughs> do your thing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just like, I have this person waiting on this one thing and... You're on the move at the moment, I take it. Yeah, well, we're in pre-production on this thing that I'm doing. And, and uh, this time of the day is like right when everybody's in front of their computers. Right. Well, because it's, it's morning for them, America time, is it? Or are they all just late workers in European time? Uh, no, they're all late workers getting ready for tomorrow. But now I'm done. Okay, so should I put on my camera? Yeah, do it. Are Come on in. Are you recording Come this or is it just sound? I'm recording it and I'll use snippets for trailers and things like that. But oh, no. f- for I the large have, part. I should have. Uh... <laughs> well, I won't use any of this as a trailer. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I, I've, uh, I've, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, I haven't done my grooming. <laughs> so you're in Lithuania? Yeah. Is it's, it cold? 
Yeah, well, yeah, it's like 10 below, 15 below, like every day, kind of, and a lot of snow. It's it's uh, it's like winter, winter landscape here. Do you, do you enjoy the location scouting part of the process? Because for me, that would be one of the most liberated of any shackles. It's kind of just you, a small team. You're there trying to find the right places to you know realize these visions. Is it yeah. a fun adventure time part of the process or is it a little bit laborious no that's like uh that's you romanticizing it is and it sound like way better what it what really is is like hours in, in cars uh, right you know yeah uh, and, and being afraid that you're gonna crash with a car and just like uh, knowing that the whole production is just waiting for location location decisions you know i mean location it's a, a I've seen the world thanks to these locations, but but most of the time it's actually the most boring part of what I do, to be honest, because wow. it is very time consuming and it's not very rewarding because you can be in a car for like a week and not finding anything. You know. What about when you do, though, in those moments when it's the exact dream yeah. location? That must be quite a rush, right? Well... Not even that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 guess, I drove a week for this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's because I'm right in the middle of it. But uh, I would, I would, be, I would probably say that location scouting is the most boring part of what I do. But it's so important because yeah, and you have to be as creative as you're smart because it's it just doesn't work to just think about the creatives and the looks. You have to really think about you know uh, all the other elements like everything from production design to the practical stuff like where where is the base camp where do you park will this work with the schedule like is it cold is it warm what's the smell like you know like it's all those mm-hmm. things you know well it's interesting to me i think all projects should maybe ideally be this but it does seem to me that the feature films that you've made and i've seen all of them the character the location Sorry, the location does seem to be a character in the story, um, you know, particularly with, I mean, Spun and Small Apartments for me are a similar sort of universe that you're exploring. And it feels like these you know, little concrete blocks where the characters live are as much a part of the story as their lives. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. I, I'm spoiled because I have a, a very good production designer, Emma. Who who may who makes me look good now, which is good. Right. But but I'm I'm very much an on location type of guy too. You know, I I don't do much in studio and build stuff and and you know, work at stages. But so even if it's a I don't know how many small rooms I've been t- squeezed into these motel rooms and small apartments <laughs> and like, you know, because I I find that sometimes I find locations being just like adding so much to their energy. And I think that's what you're saying, actually. So that makes me happy. It's worth those hours. When, that's rewarding. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> well, and even in terms of the great outdoors, if you're looking at Polar or, you know, even Horseman, like those locations as make, you know, they bring you into the location and the, the dramatization of what's going on as much as the costumes, the actors, everything else. Well, great. Well, thank you. Well, that's good. That's good. If you say so, then uh, then I look forward to my scout tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's all worth it. Hey, can we talk about small apartments? I'd love to just roll into that because I saw that film, I think immediately after it came out. I can't remember how I'd heard of it, but I saw it pretty much as soon as it was released. 
And the reason I remember seeing it when I did is I was so moved and, and just enamored with Matt Lucas's performance that I went onto Twitter and I tweeted him and I said, I've just watched this film, Small Apartments. I'm not even sure if I was aware it was a Jonas Ackland film. I'd just seen this film that looked unusual. And, and then, you know, you see this strange and amazing cast. And I watched it and I tweeted Matt and I said, this is one of the most harrowing and unusual and, and really powerful performances I've ever seen, wow. especially from somebody like him, who at that point in time, was was predominantly known as the kind of wacky silly you know from either shooting stars or or you know little britain and it's a very dark different role for him that one and he's so amazing in it and he tweeted me back and we had like an exchange and he was like thank you so much i guess the first thing i'd love to ask you is how did you discover and become aware of of matt lucas well, it's it's well, Matt Lucas. Yeah, it, well, for starters, that that uh, thank you so much, and I, I appreciate you bringing it up because it's I, it's one of my proudest work. Actually, I, I love that movie myself too. It's uh, it's yeah. your favorite. It's my favorite of yours. I have to say. Yeah, thank you. And it came out of uh, uh, the energy that it came out of was very different from uh, anything I've done. I just came out of Horseman, which is like was you know kind of like a failure for me in many ways. It didn't, out, it didn't at all turn out to be what I thought it would be, you know, and that, that was my first kind of round of uh, Hollywood treatment, you know, in terms of, you know, fighting for what you believed in and all that. So actually, did, after, did, sorry, did, just to kind of concentrate on that real quick, did the vision you feel get lost along the way or, or what happened? Very with much Horseman? on Horseman. Yeah. Yes, very much. So after Horseman, I kind of like, I, I said to myself, I'm pretty good in music and advertising it's like why am i going through this uh but then i had this book that somebody gave to me like a, a few years earlier and i got to know the writer chris millis and i had that book it was just like this really amazing small little book called small apartments and i was like maybe that would be uh, a reason for me to go back and 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 actually not giving up on on movies that easy so coming out of horseman with that kind of like energy and not anger i don't i don't, I don't want to say i made it out of anger but i did say to myself this movie has to be special it has to be something that we never done before all the actors you had something that, to prove yeah all the all the actors in the film no i and i didn't give a shit about people watching it it's like this is going to be my movie and i'm right. going to do it my way and it's going to be as independent and weird and unexpected as i possibly could you know and um uh, and with the casting, I was like, I'm going to cast people that I look up to, but they're going to be doing stuff that they never done before. You know, mm. Matt Lucas yep. had never done a leading role. And he's also doing an American accent, you know, like like Billy Crystal had never, never done an independent movie. And uh, Dolph Lundgren had never, never done a movie where he doesn't kill people. And like, you yep, know, it, yep, was like, yep, yep. it was like all these like things and and i've added up all those reasons and it just uh, became like a really great job and a really fun job to do and i was a big fan of matt and i had met him uh, a couple of times actually through uh, robbie williams who's this guy i made videos for for a while uh, he had a christmas party and i met matt lucas for the first time and i just knew that one day we're going to do something uh, so and uh, and he he loved the book, you know, so and we met up and we talked about it. And again, it's like, you know, for him to doing a, a leading role like that with an American accent. And, you know, he went all in, you know, and it was so fun with the rest of the cast because they were all drawn and interested to uh, to, to work with Matt, 
you know, so, so, you know, everybody was just like on board, which was amazing for that small type of movie, you know, independent movies are great because everybody are there for a reason, you know, and it's usually like, because you believe in it, you know, so it was just a fantastic experience, small apartment, and it keeps coming back like this, like you're mentioning it. It's, it's so great that it's kind of like still has a life, a life and it, it kind of exists. Yeah, I can't remember how I'd heard of it. And you would think because on paper, there's a lot of similarities with Spun. And I mean that as a compliment. I don't mean, oh, you're doing the same thing again. It's obviously very different, but there's enough of a a comparison where you can see the link and you can go, okay, this is, you know, it's fringe outsider characters in this kind of concrete claustrophobic location and, and you're really just delving into their psyches in the rooms that they exist in and you know there's a, obviously the the drug kind of parallels aren't there but these are still lost souls yeah. and i would have thought that the movie would have you know been as as widely received and, and loved as spun but the fact that it is almost like a curio um i think makes it all the more endearing when i found it i just couldn't believe what i was watching and there's something about Matt in it that's it's so painful what this character's been through in his life and what he's going through. But yet it's still this story of redemption and hope and there's a happy ending and yeah. you're rooting for this character, even though he's obviously very deranged. Yeah. It's got a lot of heart, that film. Yes. Yes. You know, that's. Uh, yeah. You know, that's also Chris Millis is so great at writing characters, you know, and. And, you know, these finding the, this dark sense of humor, which I really like in, in all my work, you know. So, so, yeah, no, it's cool. I wish that the movie had a little bit more of a distribution when it came out, you know, but it kind of goes, it kind of goes with that kind of, those kind of movies. You know, we shot it in like, I think we shot it in like 17 days. And wow. it was, you know, like a, a really low budget. You know, it's like those movies are hard to get out there you know i think it exists now on a couple of streamers which is great you know so i'm happy it's around you know well and you've got james can in the film as well and one of the best scenes is the the apartment scene with james can and billy crystal again that's a very moving little scene that one with those yeah. two quite heavyweight actors yeah was, was that a fun one to shoot yeah, I mean James, he was he was amazing, and and I knew him and uh, from before because we had another project together that never happened. So he was on board early on. He was the first one to say yes, and then, I mean Billy Crystal. I was just a big fan of Billy Crystal. I always wanted to work with him, and everybody kept saying to me, "They said no way you're gonna get Billy Crystal for this movie." And I said, "Just get me, just get me a meeting." And and we got, I got a meeting, and. Uh, you know, we were supposed to talk for 10 minutes and we ended up talking for like an hour and a half. And and right. I asked him, it's like, why haven't you done independent movies before? And he said, nobody ever asked me, you know? So it was just like one of those, you know, small roles. It wasn't that many days for him to be in it, but he made a big impression on me. I, I loved working with him, you know, and then Johnny Knoxville and Rebel Wilson and Juno Temple. It's like Dolph Lundgren, you know, it, it was it was a cool cast. It seems like you have a long list of people who want to work with you, and that's, you know, in music and in film. And that must be, you know, a nice feeling to know that you can assemble a team of actors or artists, you know, of that caliber and variety. Yeah. And I the mean, fact they want to work with you must be cool and exciting. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, that's, that's what it all comes down to when you make, you know, these long format stuff, it's all about the cast, you know, so it's, it's all what you can, 
who's interested in uh, what you do you know it's it's a tough one now i'm working with bill scarsgord you know and this this series i'm doing now it's all about bill you know i wouldn't do this without if it wasn't for him you know i i wouldn't I, I, and i said it from day one i would love to do this but only with bill no one else you know were you interested in working with actors before spun because often when a, a commercial, and by commercial, I don't mean mainstream, obviously I mean like you know, you're making commercials, often commercial and, and music video directors, when they make the transition to filmmaking, they're not necessarily interested in telling the stories with the actors. It's more about the stylistical aesthetic approach. You obviously can get great work out of your actors as seen with the list of people we've just named yeah when did that cog in your head start turning when you started to you know dream beyond just making music videos and and actually start making feature films with actors i don't know i kind of been a late bloomer with that whole thing i mean when i came when i started to work in, in america and when music video directors were you know like the hottest hottest thing in hollywood for 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 five minutes Everybody kept asking me when I was going to do my first movie. Like that was like every meeting, everybody I met was like, when are you going to do your first movie? And I, to me, it was a little bit of a shocker because I was, I was never even thought about making movies. I was super happy doing, you know, especially the music stuff, you know, which was, you know, and the editing and like all that thing that that's what I wanted to do. So uh, it took me a while and spun spun was more like a, like something that just it felt like an accident it was like this script showed up and this guy and this amazing producer who basically let me do whatever i wanted to do and and the cast just came together it was more like it felt more like uh, you know something i tried just to see if i liked it you know and it, it didn't make right. that much of an impact on me as now when i i realize you know what script work is and working with actors is very different i was very spontaneous and uh, you know i never went to film school and I, I i've learned everything by doing it you know so i've kind of been a late bloomer so i would the answer on your question is it's not until now that i really understand that whole thing and and respect it and um, and making it more of my main focus in my life you know i still love making music videos i still you know depend on making commercials but but uh, to tell these stories, and now I also crossed over and I do my own writing, which is like kind of like a big deal for me. Uh, you know, I never thought I would. You know, I'm dyslexic, and writing has been—I've such a huge respect for it. But now I can actually do that, you know, and see my own words coming out of an actor's mouth, and and then in the edit room, and when I put it together, it's just an amazing feeling. So I didn't used to have that as much as I do now. So I, I, I guess, I guess I'm still discovering all these things. It's amazing that you say that Spun was almost like a happy accident because that film is so of its time and such a special film for that time. Um, I discovered that film through Mickey Rourke was was really my, you know, lighthouse towards that project because at that exact time I began to become almost obsessed <laughs> with with this guy who was so unusual for me because I was too young to have grown up with his work in the 80s mm. uh, and with the the Mickey Rourke of old in Angel Heart and, and films like that. And so I saw him in the Once Upon a Time in Mexico movie by Robert Rodriguez. And right. there's just, you know, this strange figure in a cowboy suit with a chihuahua dog 
And I was like, who's that? He seems really interesting and cool. Who's that guy? And then I started reading about him. Spurn, I think, had already been out about a year by that point. And I saw him as the cook on the poster for the film. And I was like, I've got to see this movie. How did Mickey Rourke end up in that project? Because I would look at Spurn as probably the first in the sort of Mickey Rourke comeback mm. series of films. A lot of people began to take notice when The Wrestler was huge, of course, yeah. and Sin City before that was massive. But I'd say Spun was the one where that resurgence really began to take place. Yeah. Well, I mean, I the same with uh, Mickey as, uh, as with Matt Lucas. I knew Mickey from before I shot the movie. We had the same agent and we spent a lot of time together. And... Uh, I mean, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't like, you know, on everybody's list back then, but I never saw him like that. I was a huge fan growing up with Rumblefish and, you know, all his yeah. movies. So for me to to you know, just being able to ask him like if he wanted to do it. And he wasn't that keen on working at the time either. You know, but I think I think it it made him kind of realize that it's kind of fun to work again a little bit as well. You know, so, and I mean, the whole, the whole, I mean, that was also a, a great cast in that movie. So Mickey was just like, on the paper, he was just one of them. But I also know that it was Mickey Rourke in my movie, you know. So to me, he was like the big name on the poster, you know, for sure. Um, yeah, no, and uh, I wish I worked with him again. We never tried a few more times, but uh, we're still in contact, you know, um, as much as we can uh, these days. But uh, he's such a great guy you know he's he's got such a huge heart that guy you know well i had rob halford on this show jonas and rob halford i had to ask rob halford about working with mickey in your film right just again because i love mickey and rob was in his distinctly kind-hearted birmingham accent was like well you know matt i was sick on set and he was talking about how he'd had food poisoning yeah. and mickey raw had cooked him up some chicken soup to try and make him feel better and, yeah. and he's like this is mental i'm in a movie and mickey Rourke's giving me soup <laughs> and he spoke so highly like you said of just what a big heart that guy had and how much he took care of him on the set and yeah yeah no it's true oh yeah of course rob is in it too that's amazing yeah you know that's when you that's when you just love being a director when you can get rob halford to be in your movie you know yeah, yeah. i mean the, the the young cast members as well at that time a lot of them were coming off the back of really big quite seminal films obviously you know mina had just made american pie and american beauty yeah um i guess jason schwartzman that was probably his big adult film role but he'd done Rushmore and he was kind of, you know, yeah. a popular, hot upcoming actor. Brittany Murphy, of course, it seemed like it was this uber, like hot list of just very yeah, up and coming Patrick, of the moment yeah, actors. Fugit as well. Uh, Patrick. Almost famous, yeah, of exactly. course. Yeah. And then John Legasamo, of course, who was awesome. Uh, yeah, he's great too. Did you go after a lot of them? Did they come after you? How did, how did you uh, assemble that uh, incredible I mean, list of talent? Again, I didn't know better. I just wrote a list of guys I liked and they showed you did. up. You know, so I, I didn't realize that that was, you know, I just thought that that's how it works. You know, you have a script, you have a plan and you want these guys and they show up, you know. But I realize now that it's a, a lot more to it, you know. But again, there was there was a momentum there for right around that time where when, like, like I said, like when music video directors basically 
ruled Hollywood for about five minutes, <laughs> you know, and that was, I guess, my way to take advantage of that moment without even knowing it. You know, I, I, I know that now, but I didn't know it back then. What about the experience of making that film? Were you allowed, you said you were allowed creative control and free reign. Did that carry through to the edit and the end? Was it sort of your baby to run with and do what you wanted? Yeah, absolutely. I even had final cut on that thing, you know, and I, wow. I added in my contract that I had final cut. So I didn't take any notes from everybody. It was just my movie. And, uh, and you know, and there was, a, there was this amazing producer. He's still around, Chris Henley, who, who he was, you know, he made like all these independent movies that was cool back then, Buffalo 66 and Virgin's Suicide. He made American Psycho, you know, he's like, he was there making all those. So for me to being able to work with a producer that has that kind of taste level and trust in, you know, not your normal uh, choice of directors, you know, he was just there backing me all the way, which was great because I didn't know better. And, 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 uh, He's amazing, Chris Hanley. He's still around, you know. Pat Patrick as well. I mean, you really couldn't have taken that character from Almost Famous any further. Um, and, you know, I, I look at the history of your films and what some of these actors have been willing to do for the director, you. That's a very exciting relationship of trust, right? That, you know, I mean, that must extend to the music video concepts that you pitch to bands and and everything right is it all based on that mutual level of trust and them being willing to just kind of jump into the the spaceship that you're flying and and go right. with you where it's going to go in the knowledge that is going to come out well yeah well i mean it's like i have a i kind of have a rule that it's it's never my job to talk anybody in to do anything you know but i feel like sometimes what i'm presenting is like a little different than they're used to you know so the good thing with that is that when people say yes, they're actually they actually know what they're in for. So there's no surprises, you know, and it's the same with music videos. If if an artist called me or want me to do their video, it's kind of like they all kind of know what what we're in for. You know, if you're if if you want your usual normal type of middle of the road video, I usually never get the call, you know. It's amazing the you know the the variety and scope of people that you've continued to work with since day one, really. But when you look at two thousand and two when Spun came out, in that same year, I was looking the Christina Aguilera beautiful video came out, mm. which might seem like a strange one for someone with like a you know a rock show whatever to to reference. But that video was so impactful at that time. I remember because. It was really like in a kind of LGBT anthem, wasn't it? And, yeah. and a large, a large part of that, I think, was as much the video as the song itself. Yeah, you know, it was, it was almost like the Donna Summer "I Will Survive" anthem. You know, in the way that was that for the disco era, Christina's yeah. song kind of became that for for its time and generation. Were you aware when that song was pitched to you, perhaps where the idea was going to go, and, and did you ever foresee it being as powerful and and impactful as as what you uh, managed to create no really you never know you know in music videos it's like i learned earlier that it's 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 never what you think it's going to be you know you think you have a hit on your hands and it's the opposite and then it's and then you do something half-assed and it becomes the biggest thing ever you know it's like <laughs> you never know it's impossible to know but for me the christina aguilera video was a little bit of a 
uh, was a little bit of a change in my life because I, I had some weird rule back then that I was only going to do stuff that I really connected to on a personal level. You know, I had that rule like, you know, I'm not going to do too pop. I, I, I wanted to do like the pumpkin, Smashing Pumpkin and the Metallica and the cool stuff. You know, I'm trying to keep yourself from selling out. Yeah, but I learned that being a music video director, that's not what it's about. You know, it's, it's uh, the, the, what being a music video is about finding, finding a seed in, in anything, you know, and saying yes to Christina Aguilera and being so pleased with her and the result and also knowing what an impact that video had was a, it was a big change for me, you know, and, uh, uh, and I was very proud of the video, uh, what it did for people and what people actually all the comments and stuff we got back then and i mean the song was amazing and and she really had a a a moment back then and she was filled with ideas and and she wanted to make something special you know that's that's all all i really need to make to do my job good you know you must have been there in so many of those moments with so many of the superstars that you've worked with where you can almost see the sparks flying off them because the creativity is just running at yeah. such a high level, right? Yeah, but I, I, again, I, 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 I've been so lucky in music videos to actually, from day one, work with artists who really wants to do music videos and really wants to do something different and are comfortable in front of the camera and that challenge you. You know, Madonna being my, you know, my art mother and, you know, the one that, that I learned so much from, you know, when it comes to pushing stuff and making stuff different and not giving a shit about what other people think and stuff like that. You know, she, she, uh, you know, the, the fact that I ended up with her just like changed everything for me because with her, I learned that, you know, it's, 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 you can always push stuff a little further and, and just try to be, you know, do it your own way. You know, do you think working with Madonna is, a big part of why later on a lot of these next generation of pop queens like Christina and Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga, do you think that for them was the appeal of working with you in the same way that a lot of rock and roll bands coming up now, like the Struts would maybe want to go work with the Metallica guy or yeah. the Prodigy guy? Do you think there's that similar lineage in maybe, effect? Maybe. I mean, I did end up doing a lot of female artists you know it's like i've, I've been like female artists middle-aged female artists or 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 rock dudes you know rock yeah. guys you know that's kind of like being my thing you know which i'm very pleased to be in those two categories <laughs> you know it couldn't be better um you know like the rock and roll thing has always been there for me but uh, when i work it has never really been important you know it's like early on when i i kept getting that question the first year in the in in uh in America, it's like, who do you want to work with? And I always just, I made a thing out of always saying Metallica because I think one day maybe they'll read it and know that I want to work with them. So I kept saying Metallica for, and then they called it one day, uh, which was amazing. But, uh, you know, it's like, like I said, to me, it's like, it doesn't really matter what I do when it comes to music video, as long as there is an artist who, who wants to do something great you know, wants to do something out of the ordinary and, and have the ambition level of, you know, like me, you know, because I, I cannot work with artists who doesn't give a shit about videos. It's like, you know, or, or just like want anything normal. Yeah. For some people, it's just like a promotional package, isn't it? Rather than a statement of art in itself. Yeah. And obviously you're coming from that background of no, no, this is 
a continuation of what your art itself is about. It's an expression of you. It isn't just some guys with some instruments yeah, but running it, through but the it numbers. Also, it also changed, you know, because when I started, I started work doing music videos in Sweden because it was fun. You know, yeah. there wasn't really a purpose for it other than it wasn't even a platform for it. This is before MTV existed in Europe, you know, and then and then when we started to work outside Sweden, you know, there, there was a very clear message from uh, the 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 record labels that these videos are meant to sell albums. You know, we it's like it's like a commercial, you know, you're selling albums. But then when album sales disappeared, uh there was there was there was no reason to make any videos, you know. Not until Lady Gaga showed up in my life uh, did did I get excited again. I kind of had it with music videos. MTV was horrible to work with. At the at the last few years at MTV, it was so corporate and censorship and this and that and like every there was a list called TRL or something like that, which was like the week's uh, top ten videos and the briefs. In the beginning of the MTV era, the briefs were do something unexpected, do something we've never seen before, do something artistic and 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 whatever. But and and then eventually the brief became like whatever is the number one on TRL, that's what we want. You know, that do that. So to me, MTV was and I was heavily censored and nobody really liked me there. So MTV was horrible for me. But what really changed everything for me was. Lady Gaga telling me we don't give a shit about MTV. We can we can reach our fans without them. And we did we did uh, we worked with YouTube and you know uh, other platforms to reach her audience and her fans. And that was so refreshing for me. Not only meeting her as the most creative artist I, I worked with, but also the fact that she didn't give a shit about MTV. You know, and there was no 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 record sales anymore anyway. So we could just do whatever we want. So we exploded into these like uh, long videos, short videos, dialogue stories, like you know, all these things in one, which was a great a great fun. You know, and very punk rock in that attitude of let's just do what we want. You know, irregardless of the establishment. I love it when pop stars who are successful in the mainstream environment still have that freedom and attitude that mark them out from the machine that they're operating inside yeah most of them do actually you know i I mean i mean most of the artists that i work with are very much like that and you know madonna i keep mentioning madonna she's like she's 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 been guiding me through my career like no one else you know just like telling explaining to me how stuff works and that we have to you know don't give a shit about what other people think and you know there's so much to learn from an artist like her you know i'm good friends with johnny doom who's the original singer in the band doom and i used to work with him on kerrang radio when the telephone video came out and gaga obviously has the leather jacket on with the doom patch and that was like the greatest day of his life because he was like this is the biggest music video in the world right now and there's my old band logo like right there on her coat and that that was sort of when we in the rock community if you will began to take notice of artists like her who were obviously pop but you know interested in metal and punk and alternative culture and it's clear that she is you know into all of those things in a sincere way she's not just jumping on it yeah no she's a musician so so she respects she respects that kind of music for sure A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. What about Ramstein, Jonas? It seems like there's certain creative partnerships which are just written in the stars and meant to be. And that band in your visual style, I think for me, just, you know, go together like cookies and cream. Yeah. It's like a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, they're, they're, they're tough, man. They keep me on my toes, you know, because that, and I, I was so nervous working with them the first time. I, they, they asked me for quite a long time before we before I said yes, because I was uh, I was basically scared. You know, it's like, what can I do for these guys that they haven't already done? You know, they're already doing it. You know, they don't need me. You know, so it's very, very. You know, and I'm I'm still like that with them. You know, they really keep me on my toes. And it's weird because I know them for so long. I still don't know if my idea is going to fly or not. You know, it's like, are they going to hate this or are they going to love this? You know, that's so they really keep me on my toes, uh, which I like, uh, of course. Uh, you know, and. Uh, you know, that like the first time we worked together, that treatment was like 
a couple of sentences. It was so short. It was like literally like, okay, perform naked in a on a pink in a pink carpet uh, with an oil raining and a and a pile of man flesh. <laughs> you know, it was something like that. It was like the shortest treatment ever, and they just said yes. You know, and uh, obviously that's a performance video, which which they do so well, you know, so how can you not succeed with a performance video with Rammstein, you know? But uh, I, no, had, I, love, um, I love working with them. They're, they're, they're like everything I need for to make a, a good video for sure. It's the dream, right? I had Richard on the show and he said that you came to them with one pitch, which was let's start a revolution. Let's just make a porno. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean that, and that's how it's been with them. You know, it's like, it's always like, it's it's not really pitching and pulling references and showing stuff it's like you just go like okay beach boys what do you guys say and they go like yes you know they get it you know i think it was the same with the porno you just like make a porno of course song is called pussy why not just make a porno you know but yeah, that, the, that, the mindland video is like beach boys directed by russ myers isn't it that's the <laughs> yeah that's the yeah, vibe yeah yeah yeah, uh, no, that that's they're, they're great, you know, and they, they also for me as a director, I can do stuff that I could never do with anybody else. Can you imagine me doing any of those videos with Coldplay or U2 or, or you know, any of those other bands I work with? That would just be impossible. Even Metallica, you, you can't you can't get away with stuff that Rammstein gets away with. You know, it's part of what they do and part of their sense of humor and part of the history and part of everything they do. You know, it's so much to build on, but still so hard to understand. I'm still struggling to figure them out each time I work with them. What about the live DVD you did as well, Ramstein in Paris? Because that was, you know, almost a mixture of the live concert and the music video in one thing. And it yeah. was very stylized and very just unique and original. I'd never seen a concert film like that before. How was it creating that with them? And, and what was their reaction? And and what was indeed their fans' reaction? Well, I, I haven't, you know, the thing with concert films for me, it's like I've done a few, uh, and uh, starting with Madonna, I did a few. And it, to me, it's like concert films are like the toughest thing you can do because it's like shooting fireworks. It's like it's impossible to get to translate the, the live experience into film. So my take on you know, the ones I've done has always been, it, we have to add something to it. We cannot just shoot the show. We got to offer something more to the audience. You know, so in, you know, and, and what we try to offer is like, you know, unique angles that you wouldn't have if you're sitting in the audience. You know, we, we would add, you know, uh, editing and sound effects and, and coloring and stuff to make, to make it more of a filmic experience rather than a concert experience, because you cannot compete with the, the, the live concert. Everybody knows that. So I never seen my concert films as concert films. They, to me, they're always been more like films, you know, and yeah. we're asking so much from the audience too, because usually they're like, I think that Rammstein piece is like well over two hours. You know, that's asking a lot for somebody to sit in front of the TV and watch a show, unless you're a hardcore fan. But, you know, so, and with Rammstein, of course, because they have such a big show, you know, it's a really fun show to shoot, but you need a ton of cameras and you need a ton of different angles and all that to, to, make, it, to make it work. Uh, 
you know, so my take that that was basically my take on it. And then we spent, I don't know, we probably spent all we spent close to two years in the edit on that one to get it to where it was. Wow. You know, and it was mixed feelings because people uh, people think that you are going to see a concert, but that's not the point. You know, the point is to translate it into some other experience. And I I saw it a few times actually in Germany in, on the big screen because they actually, they did a theatrical release on it, which was amazing. That's exactly what you want your concert films to be. And it was amazing to see it in front of a live audience. You know, there was moments when the whole audience was just standing up and headbanging and, and just, you know, just like having that experience on the big screen is pretty cool. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of it. And I put so much into all my concert films because I tried to have the same precision as I do if I do something four minutes and you translate that into two hours, 20 minutes. You know, that's a lot of work, you know. A lot of I noticed that last night. I watched the Taylor Swift 1989 World Tour live video. Um, and I'm not, you know, what I would say, a, a fan of Taylor Swift. But after watching that, you have to appreciate the thought that goes into what she does, but also just how likable an artist she is. Like, she seems so genuine and sincere. Yeah. And as you say, the editing and the pacing and the presentation of that, and that's about two and a half hours, I think, that one. Yeah, and it was just like watertight rhythmic nonstop, you know on point from start to end that's yeah. a monster edit job right there yeah and that one was uh yeah i mean and and i mean taylor's show is kind of tiny compared to a rammstein show in terms of of you know theatrical <laughs> you know yeah. treats you know uh uh, and same with Madonna, you know, Madonna, she has so much theatrical stuff going on and everything from screens to dancers to like pyros, like everything. So, so Taylor's show was fairly easy to shoot because, you know, it's all, it was a big stadium, of course, but, you know, it was all concentrating on her rather than like the theatricals around her. But, but yeah, yeah, you know, I haven't done that, done that many concert films because uh, they're kind of like killing me each time I do them because it, I just, you know, want to make something special out of it each time, you know. Do you have to almost, if you finish a long film edit, then go and make a music video to balance out? I've just done a really long project. I need something immediate. And is it nice having that, you know, command of all those different skill sets and lanes that you can? God, I've spent ages in the edit. I want to now just go out and shoot something and turn it around quickly. Yeah, or but... I don't want to waste time trying to find a distributor for this. Let's just make a music video instead. Most of the time, I my jobs overlap. Uh, Anyways, you know, so right. yeah, yeah. I think, you know, if you look at, you know, probably the year I made small apartments, I probably did 20 music videos and 30 commercials the same year, you know, so it's usually they overlap each other. But right now, because I'm doing a TV series, I never done a series before, which is like a two year commitment. It's I can feel it. You know, I want <laughs> I want to, you know, go and do something quick, you know, but. And also, I also I kind of always been um, getting the energy from doing different types of, of things, you know. And, and I think if I you look that. at my website, you'll see that I go from extremes to extremes, not only with my music videos, but also in like all the kinds of different jobs I do, you know. And commercials are great because they take me to places where I would never usually go, you know. They take me to challenges and uh, and, and and things that I would never think of. Uh, myself you know and uh, so it's it's uh, it's it's actually a blessing to be able to do all these 
kind of different things. You know, a lot of directors zone in on one thing or they or they stay in one city. You know, you're like the LA guy that do cars and that's what you do or or something else. Like, so I'm actually very happy that I have all these different way things and different, you know, countries and different languages and different types of challenges. Yeah, culturally rich. And I've also noticed there's always really interesting um, choices of who does the soundtracks in your films from Billy Corgan doing Spun. I mean, the idea of having Sigur Ross score a film about Norwegian black metal is genius. And then you've got Dead Mouse doing Polar. Yeah. And that must that must keep things really thrilling, you know, thrilling and engaging for you as well. You know who you know who I have now for this series I'm doing? I have Michael from Opeth. Wow. Yeah. And he's doing a fantastic Again, who else could draw that person in? Yeah. Yeah, that actually happened over a beer at my house. Amazing. <laughs> I was like, what do you do next year? That he still thought he was going to tour, you know. So I said, maybe you can squeeze in some scores here for me. And, and uh, well, I hate to say it, but uh, the fact that he couldn't tour this year has been pretty good for me. <laughs> but uh, obviously not good for anybody else. But he's been spending a lot of time and made some amazing music for this series I'm doing now. How, with the Lords of Chaos project, um, how was the... I, I, the response, I imagine, to the film once it finally got out was, were you happy with it? Because I know you put a lot of work into that one. It yeah, was the first time, you know, I guess, you'd written the script yourself, right? And Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the reactions was very uh, expected. You know, I kind of knew. Uh, I kind of knew exactly what was going to happen with it and who's going to say what and what they were going to say. You know, every, it was so predictable so it was almost like i could have written it in advance for them you know <laughs> yeah uh but but i thought you did an amazing job i thought it was a great 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 film yeah thank you yeah i know it's i know it's a good film you know it's just like you know people zone in on uh, you know and and i i guess i've been a little bit the same you know where where this world is something that you believe you know better than everybody else and that you own it you know it's like don't touch this this is my world you know and People who are young and people who live all over the world think that like that. They weren't they were not even around when it happened, and they they think they own it, you know. And I was a little bit the same, you know. Uh, when I was developing this, when I heard somebody else talking about it, I was kind of like pissy about it. Like you don't know anything. I know this. This is my story, you know. It's like, and then I realized that it's not my story at all. It's uh, you know, this is just another story, and it's a, an important story that should be told, you know. So. It was kind of predictable, all those, all those things. But it was a few things that was not predictable. We got really good reviews in in Norway, and a lot of people uh, actually came through when they finally saw it. They thought it was a bad idea to make this movie, but when they saw it, they they liked it. You know, so there was, um, and I was very clear from the beginning that this is there's obviously a million ways to tell this story, but this is this is my way to tell this story, and I. I wanted to focus on the relationship between these three young boys. You know, that, that to me, what was interesting about this. I would love to make a movie about black metal too, you know, and I would love to make a movie about, uh, you know, that time uh, and the police investigation and the relationship with the parents and the, the, the Swedish uh, Norwegian fade. And like, there's so much around that story that could be told. But my main focus was to zone in on the relationship between these three young boys, you know, that ended so sad, you know, it was such a sad story and they were so young, you know, so that became my focus on the film. And in that way, I'm, 
I'm kind of like, you can't touch me. You can say anything you like about it. I know what I did and I know that it's my way of telling the story and I'm proud of it, you know? So, so yeah, that's basically it. There's a comparison that you made, which I found really interesting. And I think that's why the film has touched and translated so well with so many people all over the world is the This Is England franchise. Yeah. You know, I've had a few of the actors from that amazing TV show and film series on this show. And I would have never in my head linked the two, but it's very similar in the sense that it's kind of this subculture based around music and an ideology that starts off perhaps as empowering and, and gathers together people who felt despondent and isolated from you know, mainstream society and, and grouped together in this club and gang and found an identity. And then over time it becomes warped and corrupted. And, you know, then yeah. you lose sort of the individual, individual thinking to the group thinking. And there's so many similarities in that way. I found a fascinating comparison that you drew. And I think that's why it, it worked as well as it did all over the world is you don't have to have a background knowledge in that genre. Right. And now and I to kept, recognize I, I that kept, I kept saying that, over and over again we've seen this movie before you know like basically every country have you know uh, we've seen the movies about the young young children in the favelas or like you said like the the suburbs of london and like you know we've seen this movie so many times you know but what's fascinating about it too is like when such a small group of people have such a huge impact you know very, the punk scene in london was very much the same because the original punk scene was basically like 40 people, you know, and yeah. they, they made such a huge impact. And then, of course, a lot of people, another hundred or another 500, another thousand would claim that the throne of being part of that. But we all know who the, the real black metal in Norway, we all know who those guys are. There's no doubt about it. There's no competition. And those guys are cool. They supported the film. There was no problem with those guys. It's those other guys that are out on the outside of it that wants in. Those guys are the problems, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, like Mayhem was supported this movie from day one. You know, they 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 kept saying in press uh, that they didn't, but they were on board. I couldn't I couldn't have made this movie without their blessing. You know, I I needed their music and I had their music from day one. I couldn't develop. You know, my financier wouldn't agree on me moving forward if I didn't have the music. You know, so. It was all that, you know, uh, but uh, no, and thanks for bringing it up because I'm, I'm very proud of that movie for sure. Would you do another real life story, another biography? Or, I, am, or are you I, more... am, I am now, actually. That's that's the series I'm doing now is is uh, is based on on. Uh, not similar to Lords of Chaos at all, but it's the real life story of this very famous bank robber called Clark Olofsson. He's uh, he's the Stockholm syndrome man. And right. It's for Netflix, and it's a six uh, six episode uh, life story about this uh, crazy guy and his um, amazing life. Uh, so I am I'm back in that thing where you have to kind of like balance what the truth and the lies are, and how much do we actually twist the reality to make it an entertaining film, and like all those things. So I'm actually think I think I'm going to revisit the whole idea based on truth and lies, you know, yep. for the third time. I had it in Spawn. I had it on yeah. Lord's Case, and I think I'm going to do that again because it says so much. It's like you, it says more than just based on a story or inspired by a story, you know, because it's, it is the truth, but we're also making a movie. So, hey, let's just twist it a little bit and lie a little bit just to make it fun, you know. 
Yeah, yeah a bit of artistic license goes a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, but I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for documentaries and I'm a sucker for real life stories. Most of the books I read are biopics and, you know, I'm kind of into that, you know, the realness of stuff. You know, Polar was very different because that's obviously like more uh, something completely different. And that was fun. But as a general thing, I'm, I'm very into these like real life stories. Jonas, this has been such a great chat, man. Just as we approach the end, you, t- you touched on Netflix there. I'd love to get your take on them as somebody who's worked, you know, within the music industry, within the Hollywood industry, within the advertising industry, independently, commercially. What do you think the, the Netflix kind of um, experience? Well, how would you describe the Netflix experience for an artist like yourself who's made a movie with them, is now doing a TV series with them? Because um, they're obviously the the giant of entertainment nowadays, aren't they? So what's it been like for you creating and making stuff with them? I tell you what, what I just told you about Lady Gaga telling me to to don't give a shit about MTV, uh, and that inspired me to go into like a new level of creativity. That's exactly what's happening to me now. I was never good in the studio system. I was never like you know like pitching movies and and doing all that stuff. It was never my strength. So to me, Netflix is everything. To me, Netflix is a platform that allows creativity and encourages creativity. And plus, they're also, you know, it's so much hard work on making making these these things that we do. And the fact that the platform is a, a worldwide platform, exactly like YouTube, you know, it's like when we did videos for MTV, they dictated who could see it. And now the audience is dictating. It's the same here, you know, now that the audience could dictate, as long as they find it, you know, that's the challenge to get people to find it. Netflix is really good at promoting their stuff, which suits me too. You know, so for me, it's like the, the fact that I'm 55 and get a chance to work with Netflix, uh, you know, and, 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 and actually bloom for the first time with, with these longer stories is fantastic. So for me, the streamers in general, and Netflix being my my streamer right now is is ex- perfect for me. Isn't it interesting that the music industry's failed to do what the TV and film industry has done? You know, Spotify isn't financing records, producing content. They seem to just be, you know, paying. <laughs> this isn't me asking you to go on a ramp, but I just think, isn't it an interesting thing that the music industry could have done differently in the same way that Netflix are making and producing and funding content. Yeah. Imagine if Spotify had actually put some of the money back into artists with the music industry being a stronger place. Yeah. Because it seems like TV and film is still going like that, whereas music's like, Ooh. yeah. And uh, and also it's so expensive to make movies. You know, it's so expensive. You know, it's like that's the problem with filmmaking. As an as an artist, it's like probably the worst artistic job you could pick. You know, because you're depending on so many people and big budgets and planning and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean the music world. I don't know what to say, man. I'm I'm still I'm I'm a huge music lover, and I consume more music than ever. I think, you know, and I still buy vinyl and buy T-shirts and stuff like that. That's just who I am. But I don't know. I'm a dinosaur, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, here's what I'd like to ask you as we you know say goodbye. Is are there any musicians, either icons of old or pop stars of today, that you haven't yet collaborated with that you would love to either make? you know, a video with or, or a concert film with or? Ah, I don't know. I'm so blessed, man. I'm so blessed. You've, you've almost done them all. No, well, come on. I'd say there's always, you know, uh, you know, there's always so many greats, especially in metal, you know. I don't know. Do you know this guy, Marcus King? Yeah. I mean, 
an that, incredible guitarist. That's some somebody I would like to work with. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him live a few times. He's great. My friend does um, his PR, and oh. he took me along to see him on his last London tour before all the, you know, the world shut down. Yeah, and he he's got that kind of rich blues soul. I mean, roots quality but, about him, hasn't he? He lo- he plays guitar as Frank Marino, and he. He sings like Janis Joplin, and he looks like a gigantic, gigantic Eskimo baby. You know, it's just fantastic. I fucking love him. Tell your peer friend that I, I want to work with him. <laughs> I will. I'll pass it on. I'll take, um, back, I'll take back the Eskimo comment. That was not fun. <laughs> um, but I do like him. I think he's amazing. <laughs> this has been great, man. I really appreciate you giving up your time. And um. It's very rare that I actually go through. I always set myself the challenge of trying to listen to or read or watch as much as I can of somebody that I'm getting ready to talk to. And I think you're the first time that I've ever literally watched everything in the lead up to today's chat, because the deeper I went, the more I just enjoyed getting lost in the rabbit hole of your work. There's so much good stuff. And, you know, I just want to say as a fan of your work, thank you for, you know, the films, the music videos, the concert footage, just the the, the great back catalogue of art that you've contributed to music and cinema over the years, Jonas. We, oh. we owe you a debt. We salute you. All right. Well, thank you so much. That means the world. I hope to see you again when the when the world's back open and running. Yeah. We'll hopefully do. bump into each other at a rock concert somewhere down the line and uh, maybe a Marcus King show. That would be amazing. Okay. Jonas, thanks right. so much, man. Okay. Good luck you with too. everything. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.